Welcome to the CEO Story, brought to you by KC Johan, founder of Together CFO, where every week we're interviewing the top CEOs in various industries, sharing their journey and extracting the top things that made them successful. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to the CFO Story and we have a fantastic episode today. So we have the amazing Jenny Chang that's <laughs> on the podcast. Thank you Jenny for joining us and Jenny is amazing she is an iconic event specialist and she's got a great app and a great podcast herself so jenny thank you so much for taking the time uh, you want to share a little bit about yourself and your background of course well thank you so much for having me here casey um so yeah i uh i started this crazy journey of becoming an experiential artist and event planner when i was 19. uh i graduated the fidm in los angeles here in downtown um, when I was 19 years old and uh, I graduated with just an associate's degree in visual communication and um, I think like you know like most of us I think when we go into this process of you know having this degree under our belt we kind of walk out of the you know our education journey with this big head and we're like okay like all these doors are gonna open up to us yeah um, you know but it was actually the complete opposite for me so uh you know after i graduated i applied 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 to like as many firms as i could to get hands-on experience in being an event planner um and um just application after application casey i was just getting constantly shut down right um, so I decided probably six months within um, post-graduation, I said, you know what, well, if no one's going to hire me, I'm going to hire myself. So I started my first startup, Rockin' Events, um, in, uh, in six months after I graduated. And after I graduated, what, uh, you know, the next biggest hurdle after kind of creating the name and building this mission and this business model and, you know, what I really wanted to kind of create into fruition uh, the next biggest challenge was, you know, coming across building a portfolio, right? So as an event planner, <laughs> um, a lot of our success entails around who we know and uh, what we've created in the past. Um, and so since I didn't have any portfolio, um, you know, that was my biggest next hurdle, right? And so I spent about two years trying to get as many people to trust me, Casey, in the process of trying to grow. What were you doing to build trust? There's, there's already loads of snippets that I want to dig into in terms of what was the final straw that broke the camel's back in terms of, okay, I'm sick of applying and not getting anywhere. Let me just do it myself. What, what was kind of... That, you said it was at the six-month mark, but was there a specific event that triggered that? You know, um, what, what triggered it was just um, not, I, I didn't like that feeling that I was feeling internally of people saying no. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I just, I, I think I already had this picture in my head of, of what, what was going to happen. And that picture was that I was going to become an event planner, you know, and, and that, that internal feeling of people just shutting me down was just stressful to the point where I was like, well, why am I relying my, you know, the outcome of my success in other people's hands? You already had the skill, right? You could already do it and you knew that. Right. Well, I had the knowledge, right, Casey? So I didn't actually have experience, which was actually the hardest part. Um, but what triggered me into starting the business and, you know, after people shut down the opportunity to actually create events for them, right? So after I started the business, I said, well, I'm just going to start, you know, telling people that I will plan their events for free. So at least I can gain some portfolio. And, and that, you know, Gary Vee says this a lot is just 
do it for free, eat some shit, as he says, <laughs> along the way, and then build up that reputation. Or in this case, like your portfolio, you'll then have videos and, and testimonials and yeah. some really like good pictures. So that will then perpetuate into some paying gigs. Eventually. Right, right. And, and I agree with that. Um, Gary Vee says a lot about just putting content out there, no matter what. And so, yeah. um, but, you know, I needed clients to give me that chance to be able to bring something live. Um, but yeah, and it's a big deal. People planning events, they don't want it to get messed up. It's a big marketing plan for them. And, and you know, it's their business, which is their baby a lot of the time yeah. as well. So it's exactly. sensitive, right? It's very sensitive. And I started being, you know, a wedding planner. So imagine, you know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I recently got married a few years ago and it was like, yeah, it was stressful. <laughs> so, you know, here's that, here I am, just a kid that just wants an opportunity to bring something alive. Uh, but after a couple of years, uh, you know, when I recognized that no one was going to give me that chance, I said, you know what, I'm just going to bring something to life myself. So I launched the Rockin' Events debut event, which was the big event that just basically propelled this concept out there. Put you um, on the map. I'm sorry? It put you on the map. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Casey. So it was that event that actually brought in 15 clients my first year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We should have done that at the six-month mark, right? I know. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Um, But it was those 15 clients that I actually did uh, a lot of those events for free. So it was, again, all about content. Uh, Second year, I was voted top 10 best wedding planners in in Orange County. Yeah, so that was huge. Um, but that that's some you- good recognition in the local market for you. And obviously, you know, word of mouth is the best you could get, right? So those 15 then turn into referrals and so on and so on, right? Exactly, exactly. And so um, having that award, though, really got me to compete with these veteran wedding planners and veteran event planners that have been in the industry for like decades, right? And so it was a, a huge reward uh, to or award to obtain. And then uh, from there, it just really became all about absorbing as many experiences that I put, like could create. Um, and uh, third year, I was able to branch out to San Francisco, New York. Um, it was also where I started a few other businesses um, to really kind of teach people. What Before we get into that, you mentioned you would compete in, in year two, year three with these veterans. Right. What did you do at that point to kind of differentiate yourself or kind of take your market share compared to these people that have been in the industry for decades? Right. No, that's a great question. Um, my first vow that I made to myself was that I would never look at their websites. Uh, the vow that I made to myself um, when competing with all these other names was that I didn't want to absorb what their character of a brand was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to absorb, and I didn't want to learn exactly what their niche was either when it came to event designs or event production. Um, you know, my niche was to stay within the bounds of my own creations, which was to create something very edgy, very timeless. Um, something that uh, the industry hasn't seen before. So if you can imagine in the wedding industry, you'll find a lot of like, you know, uh, mirrors of, of, you know, Martha Stewart types of, you know, experiences or whatnot, you know, keeping things very cute and keeping things very perfect. Uh, but rock and events really portrayed um, uh, a way to represent the clients, a way to represent, you know, designs and event designs with, um, 
creativity that had no limits, that had no bounds, right? Um, and it was really the, the, the brand in itself that kind of recognized, you know, I would say that impacted the industry very heavily just by the name, you know? So that instantly became a niche of its own, right? Um, so I really focus on the brand. I really focus on uh, making sure that, you know, when people heard of Rocket Events, they knew that, of course, they would get nothing less than like a timeless event right uh but they knew that it was going to be a rock star experience that's amazing and then the scalability so this is like a key part and we should spend some time talking about this so you you then jumped from la to san francisco and new york can you just break down a couple of the key things that enable that to happen yeah so you know when i'm uh so essentially i i wanted it started with the intention that I wanted to spread more of the experiences that we were delivering uh, outside of being local, right? So the intention was I wanted more people to experience what we could deliver because I knew it was different. Um, so uh, when we expanded to San Francisco, it was kind of our next, you know, our sister branch. But when we expanded to San Francisco, it was with the intention that, you know, um, uh, again, we wanted to, you know, expand to a different market, but at the same time, like, you know, as a startup, you have to imagine, you know, you have to make as much money that you have in terms of your investment go a long way. Yeah, right? cash is king, right? Uh-huh, exactly, Casey. So, so you know, I, uh, I started writing books, right, within the company. So I started writing uh, exactly how to consolidate emails and I made that a very specific template, right? And manuals and processes and systems is what I'm hearing. Exactly. I couldn't afford an operations director and I definitely couldn't afford like having an HR team. So what I ended up doing was I spent about three months just writing nonstop books, company books, uh, etiquettes, uh, the way that event production tools were handled, everything you can imagine and everything that I've learned uh, throughout my own journey, I started to just write. And uh, these books became assets in terms of being able to scale, right? Because it was super easy with the reputation that we had uh, to be able to find people to represent the company. So in San Francisco, the moment we posted an ad that we were looking for jobs, there were just streams of people that would be applying. Um, finding clients in that area wasn't difficult as, as, uh, at all because we already had the backbone, right? We had the foundation. So you have the social proof at this point. You, and now what I'm hearing is you're building such a strong foundation and preempting all of this scalability and creating the culture that you actually want in these other remote locations. Exactly, exactly. And it was really all about making sure that I knew what the values and the mission was for the company, right? And being able to put that on paper and even video tutorials so that when we found the right person for the job, the only expectation was that they, they, they understood that, right? And they knew exactly how to go forward. So um, really kind of spending some time being my own HR representative, being my own uh, operations director and being able to kind of put it on an asset and have it fly. That's this, is, this is a very uh, frequent thing I hear, but when you, when, once you've done this work and you've got to a level of success to a point at which now you're ready to expand and you've built a foundation, a lot of the times what I've experienced with entrepreneurs is they find it hard to then delegate that because no one can do it as well as you can do it. This, you, you're going to love it the most. And they, the concept of the general thought is they can't do it as good as me, so let me just do it, which obviously is not scalable. 
But the flip side of that and the, what I encourage the companies that we work with is, hey, let them do it to 80% of what you can do it because more will overall get done. Right. How do you kind of see that and at what point did you adopt a similar mindset or did you adopt a, a similar mindset? No, I absolutely did. Um, and I love that you bring it up, Casey, because um, the moment that I adopted this concept was the second year of Rockin' Events. And it was, I had to ask myself, is Rockin' Events me? Or is Rockin' Events a group of leaders? Something bigger than you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and I saw Rockin' Events as a firm. I didn't see it as just one person doing all the work. I saw it as a group of leaders that could mirror uh, a lot of the things that I've learned, right? And be able to apply that and expand it to other clients. And um, again, my intention was always to take what I created as a service and be able to expand it as much as I could. The hardest part was that hurdle of being able to trust somebody else to do it the way that you would. It's the hardest part of it. It is. It is for entrepreneurs specifically, but I think that there's an art to that. I think the art is that, you know, you find other people to be able to uh, be guided through your science, right? Um, But they're able to build chemistry in their own perfect ways as well or imperfect ways. Um, but, um, but yeah, that was definitely a hurdle that I had experienced when scaling, but at the same time, um, you know, you got to take a risk, you know, you got to know what that vision is though. Yeah. I I think, I think that's true. A lot of the things that you've said in terms of building a brand, a foundation, a culture, all of these key things often get overlooked because people are just trying to get to the end of the finish line very quickly. Right. right? And I think if you slow it down, slow is fast ultimately. Right. Yeah, very true. So fantastic. All right. So then let's fast forward a little bit now uh, and we get into some of the other ventures that you've, you've started along the way. Can you talk a little bit about them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm kind of this serial entrepreneur nut. I can't, I can't stop with that. I think it just, it comes from that knack of wanting to problem solve. So even in my industry in itself, when I see a problem, I want to solve it, whether it's for the event or if it's for the industry. So um, it was within the third year of Rockin' Events that I learned um, the lack of knowledge that was actually being taught to uh, other event planners. And the way that I see, you know, know, my career specifically is imagine um, creating one event, right? And the vibration that event causes you know, and all the positivity and all the, uh, the great experiences that, you know, a group of 100 or a group of 10,000 get to feel in just one day. Um, and so my whole model is that if I can have those experiences, you know, spread across the United States or the world, right, and have this world vibrate just a little bit higher in terms of frequency, um, that's really my mission. That's really what I want to accomplish. So, um, you know, I, but I, but I understood just from my own personal experience of not being able to, you know, have the, the knowledge and have the experience, right. For people to want to, um, hire me or whatnot in the beginning of my journey, I recognized that there was a very, uh, little market to, to teach other people in how to be able to spread your secrets. Right. Uh, so I, I started a company called Rockin' University in which it's all webinar based it's all online and um, I get a bunch of students that invest in themselves and in which I get to teach them a lot of my secrets right the things that I've learned from just raw knowledge Um, and then it was the fourth year of my journey as an entrepreneur where I created an app called Belt Law uh, and Val Law is essentially, Casey, it's like the Uber of wedding planning, right? So you got married a couple years ago. Did you have a wedding planner? 
Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we got married at, at the Beverly Hills, uh, what Waldorf and at Great Wedding Planner. So beautiful. Okay, so you had a wedding planner. So let me just tell you, just kind of from a grand scheme of things, um, for you to have a wedding planner by your side to really kind of help you in the journey from start to finish is a luxury, right? So uh, and they're expensive. Well, weight in gold. I would right? definitely recommend anyone <laughs> who's getting married to invest in a wedding planner. Right. Best decision you. Thank you, thank you, Casey. Uh, but yeah, again, I would say that though, Casey, only 10% of uh, Americans can actually afford a wedding planner, right? So that means about 90% of brides and grooms can't. Uh, they can't have this luxury JLo experience. So I decided to create an application where I basically put the timeline of how I would guide a client, right, through their wedding planning journey on an app. And uh, so the independent brides and grooms could basically walk them through a professional process, right? Again, similar to what I would guide them through. It connects them, boom, to the most reputable vendors. They're all hand-selected and approved and verified by the Jenny Chang brand. So, uh, so you have all these vendors that you can meet and match with based on their criteria. But what makes Vout Law so different is that it gives all users the experience of being able to connect with the with an actual wedding planner uh, that they can afford, right? So on the day of, let's say when it all matters the most, um, they're able to hire a wedding planner for less than half of the cost of the market price. And they're able to book a wedding planner to bring it all to life, right? Um, so- it makes so much sense. And <laughs> very similar to the way we grew our business where you know my background is corporate America and found a need in the market for smaller businesses to have CFO advice, but they couldn't afford a full-time CFO. So it's very much in line with kind of our philosophy on helping people that don't necessarily have that full budget, but to get that same level of experience so that they can have the, the day of their dreams, right? Exactly, because only you know, Casey, how valuable it is for someone to have a CFO. And it's inside of you to be like, God, I just wish everyone could have someone to protect you know their finances or at least set those expectations uh i have the same knack i felt that the world deserved more luxury i felt that the world deserved more assistance more uh the ability to have that jlo experience right and so um, it's above that right so this is their big day so if they wanted to check that website out where where would they go to do that they can check it out at valaapp.com. So that's V O W L A dash app, A P P. So, yeah. Check that out, people. But yeah, so I'm saying, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, so I, it's one of my favorite creations because it's my intentional business. It's the, it's the tech business that has the greatest intention behind it. Um, and it's again, it's just I want more jobs to be created that way. So a lot of wedding planners are kind of seeing a decrease in their own, you know, profits and, and whatnot because a lot of people can't afford a wedding planner. So they're just doing it all themselves. Yeah, well, it wasn't cheap. We, <laughs> oh, but and, it was worth it though. I think exactly. uh, I think for us, it was just a, such a high stress environment getting married. And you know, thankfully we're we're fortunate. Like you said, we're fortunate enough to be able to kind of outsource that pain. Yeah. A little bit because it's super stressful so I definitely see the benefits of it and again if someone is on a budget it's kind of the next evolution of tech world meeting wedding right. planning. exactly and, and time time saved like you said vendors are pre-approved so right. be a good discount in there too so yeah. 
I can't, I can't think of any reason not to try this out. Right? And they can actually chat with their wedding planner too. So like matches you instantly. And uh, so you get to chat with them, you get to talk to them. And if you imagine like the month of, which is the most sought out service in the wedding industry, it's like at least $3,000 on average, or at least $2,500. Um, but if you book a wedding planner on Dalat, so you're getting a wedding planner to bring it all to life for about $900, right? 900000 So it's a lot more affordable for the users to be able to download and have and hire. Um, but it creates a lot of jobs for my wedding planners out there, right? Because Just to touch on the technology side of this, because we kind of glossed over this a little bit. So you went from being an event planner, a kind of creative mind, skilled person to create a successful business, scaling it and multiplying it in different cities, and then also creating a tech company, because technically this is what it is, right? (laughs) So um, how did you then transfer that skill set into tech that's now a functionable app that's in the marketplace and, and working very successfully? I love your questions because it's you're just so curious and that's it's it just I, I you're asking all the questions that I love to answer um so actually when I started rocking events I one of the niches that I wanted to make sure that I kind of revolved around was that we are the most scalable and remote and modern company out there so um, a lot of our clients at Robin Events are all very digitally inclined, um, and about 95% of our clients uh, are not even local. They're all basically destination clients, right? So a lot of our systems internally have already been built, hand, hand built, uh, through like Excel sheets and um, just through, you know, Asana, all the different softwares that we can utilize um, as a business owner. Can you I give think- us a quick stack of maybe the top five softwares that, that have helped you scale? Absolutely. Uh, to help me scale, I would say... Um, I'm sorry, scale and build kind of the platform. Absolutely. So... Uh, I started with um, project management. I love two of the softwares that I love most is Trello and Asana. Um, It's just an incredible, yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, And um, I have just G Suite business. It's helped me in every sense of the word. Um, And, uh, but a lot of the the softwares that we use now are actually all handcrafted from Google Suite. So we're able to really kind of create these like epicenters and master books. Um, that's really tailored around, uh, you know, creating like a platform for the clients to tune into. Um, so within the, you know, when we were building all these systems throughout the Rocket Events journey, I just basically took all of these systems, I sent it to an app software company, and I was like, I need this to become an app. Uh, and it had everything to do with like the design decks, the, de- the decks that we present to clients when we're designing their event, all the way to these Excel sheets. Um, so luckily, we already started that way. Um, and it was, it was very, very apparent when I started Vala that it was going to become, um, it was going to evolve into its own technology, you know? I love it because then you went from being able to help, let's say, a restricted number of people based on the amount of staff you have to now building an app that can help an infinite number of people globally eventually when you get to that stage, right? So definitely become very, very scalable. And then also, not only is it scalable, but you've also scaled the cost at the same time as well. Whereas if you had to hire that headcount for every one of those events, it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. 
And there's a lot of vendors too. I mean, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I problem solved every area, right? So creating more jobs for wedding planners, uh, giving luxury in the wedding planning experience professionally to 90% of the couples that can't afford one. Uh, but another thing that really helps with other businesses is all the vendors that are actually associated on the app. So again, you have to be approved. Uh, but once you're approved and you're on the app, you're not really spending money to market yourself, right? You just need to have a great criteria of being a business owner. Um, but what's amazing is that the business model is essentially we take 10% of all the vendors that are on the app, right? So when they make money, we make money. Yeah. Um, and I like that because I think that for a lot of talented entrepreneurs, I think uh, the hardest part is, you know, the investment, the up, the, the upfront costs, right, of investment in marketing. And then, of course, if you are marketing, trusting who to market with, you know, that's kind of the biggest hurdle. Uh, for some yeah, it's all associated to your business, right? Your app yeah. is the face of it all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So. so Jenny, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and um, your journey. It's been amazing hearing it all play through. If people wanted to contact you or reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do that? So they can reach out to me. I just kind of keep it simple to jennychang.com. Uh, that's Jenny with a Y uh, and Chang. I think it's probably the easiest way because you can find all my different um, uh, ventures in that website. And what we'll do is we'll put a link below just so that people can hit the link and they can get straight onto your website. And that's got your, your personal information, your ventures. You can connect to your podcast. So we've got every which way to, to get into the Jenny Chang world. So thank you again for taking the time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank uh, you, Casey. Thank you for everything.